We all remember recess growing up in school. Recess was a time of day where you could have all the conversations that you could not have while in class. Recess, recess is where you had the real conversations and real conversations we're going to have. In each episode of the Recess Podcast, I'm going to have real conversations explaining students and school. I'm David McGuire, and I'll be your host. It's recess time, y'all. What's up, everybody? David McGuire here, host of the Recess Podcast. We're back. If you're listening to this, the date is April 15th, but it's not the day we recorded this. I just want you guys to know. So this is a little different. So this is where I get to see who really be rocking with me, right? I'm used to doing the live shows, but you're just getting the audio version of this. But this is actually the perfect show to do audio. It's titled Necessary Trouble, and we're definitely going to get in some trouble because the topics we're going to talk about today, a lot of you have seen them, probably seen them uh, on the news or on social media. Some of you probably haven't, but we're going to dive right into them. I got my, my sister with me. We gonna like I said, this she was the perfect guest for this show to do it this way because we're gonna have a real conversation. So if you are a first-time listener, recess podcast is real education conversations explaining students in school, and this is gonna be super real. Um, you can follow me uh, at the recess podcast on Twitter at recess podcast one. You can follow me personally, David McGuire at David M. McGuire. Um, you subscribe to the YouTube page as well, the recess podcast. But you definitely gotta uh, you gotta follow us on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts because that's where you'll listen to this uh, podcast. So I'm gonna let my guest introduce herself a little bit, and then, like I said, I got some softball questions. We're gonna tee this thing up a little bit, and then we're gonna really jump into it. So, what's up, necessary trouble? <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are you? You know. Blessed, highly favored. What about you? What What's new with you? I'm good. Can't good. Com- I would say I can't complain because I wouldn't do any good if I I'm tried. Sure. So. That's right. So look, for the folks that don't know, because you've been on the show before, just tell uh-huh. them, let's give them a little bit about who you are because we can't be, we can't put ourselves out there too much because the stuff we're going to talk about, but just maybe give them like first and last name, what high yeah, school you so do. I ain't going to give you last like name. There you go. Give <laughs> <laughs> the first name. Somebody taking this audio to somebody and be like, did you hear what she said? So no, Cassandra, um, community organizer, leader. I don't even like to say leader. Servant leader is what I like to say. But exactly. I'll just say I've been active in the Indianapolis community for a while. I myself have, have a podcast as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I'm going to say. And she gave me some love yeah. before the pandemic hit to kind of wear my appetite for this podcast. Yeah, and, she, and she's a West Sider. Yeah, so there you go. I, we're gonna give you little clues. You can figure out who it is if you don't know. Some of y'all will recognize the voice, but some of you that don't, all you get is first name and that she's a West Sider. Yes. All right. So this show's necessary trouble. We're gonna get some necessary trouble because here's the thing with the Recess Podcast, we want to get necessary troubles when it comes to defending black students, black families. So that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. So. Just some softballs. I got, I got some questions for you. Just with everything going on, right? Because you are you are adjacent to the education space. So like you you you've been involved. You've been in schools. You've been in the the, the game. And you know. So let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Should 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 school or not even schools should teachers and students be required to get vaccinated before returning to school in the fall? What you think? Should they should it be required? Like it should it be mandated? Yeah, so I am gonna get in necessary trouble because I'm gonna go against the grain probably of what 
most educators probably think. Um, but I personally do not think it should be a requirement uh, just because right now we just don't know what the long-term effects of the vaccine are. You know, we just had Johnson and Johnson, they're on pause right now for giving that vaccine out due to, you know, it causing blood clots. And so to say that it's required, I just think is taking it a step too far in my yes. personal opinion. I, I'm um, with you. Your choice and option. No. Mm -hmm. um, and families shouldn't be pressured uh, to get the vaccine just because, you know, that's what is being promoted right now. That's the agenda right now. And first of all, that Johnson Johnson thing is wild. Severe blood Very clots, good. man. Severe blood clots. Like, here's the thing. I, I can say this. I'm not vaccinated. Right. I, ain't I, work, I wear a mask. I wash my hands. I socially distance. And, you know, knock on wood, I ain't had COVID. Right. Um, no one in my immediate, you know, circle has had it family wise. So, you know, God bless that. But to require people, come on, like that. Nah, like that. It, that, tur that, that turns us away from our country being a democracy and all this other stuff. Like, if you're going to mandate that now, there's also that that social pressure, though, right? That I'm, I'm, I'm probably seeing. You've probably seen a lot of schools are probably hearing about it, where like half the staff is getting vaccinated and they're looking at the others like, mm -hmm. why aren't you? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the same thing for kids. But if you work, in, if you teach in a predominantly black school or leading a predominantly black school like me, I, I talk a lot of my families. They ain't messing with that stuff, and it, it has nothing to do with the whole Tuskegee thing because people keep bringing that up. It's just that, like, seriously, like this hasn't been vetted. Like people ran and got Johnson and Johnson because they got it. They got it quickly. And now they got severe blood clots, like six people in the U.S. And people said, well, six, not that many. But if you remember when COVID first happened, it was only 15 in Colorado. And people didn't think that big of a deal. The next thing you know, right? So I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And I'm a school leader saying that, like, it shouldn't be a requirement. You know, if you want to highly encourage it, that's fine. But, you know, as far as I know, at Tinley, we're not going to make anyone. We're not going to say you can't come in a building if you don't get vaccinated. I think it's got to be it's got to be somewhere in the Constitution. That's got to be illegal. It's got to be right. The same thing. We're trying to make it where you needed to travel. That's just crazy. Yeah, we're having that. Yeah, that. Here's the thing. If that's the case, I just drive. Well, they're gonna stop me at East Border, East East Borderline. Like, I, I ain't gotta get on no plane. I mean, I don't not the. I don't like driving a lot, but the furthest I go is Atlanta. Now I like New York, so New York's a little far. But I drive to New York, right? But Chicago, you know, Ohio, St. Louis, Nashville. I drive to those places, so. Who want to get on to planes or Corona tubes anyway? Shoot, people coughing, not wearing their mask, and they stopped giving out hand sanitizers. They didn't feel the middle seat now. It's dang near safe anyway. But anyway, so on that same note, do you think all schools should require a virtual option for next year? Or some schools saying that they're only doing in, you know in person. So what are your thoughts? Like, should schools still have a virtual option for families? I think it, I think they should because the reality of it is is there's some families who are just not comfortable sending their children back to school right now, mm -hmm. especially you know families who have they may have a loved one in the home that has a pre-existing condition, uh, or they may be you know within that high risk area group of uh, families, and so it should be an option of okay if I choose not to send my child back to school there should be a virtual option as well and school should be able to accommodate them to do so yeah 
Yeah, listen, I'm on the fence. First of all, I mean, it's tough. So because when you a school like my size, right? We only between K through six, I think we got maybe like 40, 45 kids virtual. So we've mm-hmm. dedicated two teachers to that. Because one teacher can't manage that because you have 40 kids across seven grade bands, right? Even if you only have, we only have three kindergartners virtual. And then I think we have like four fourth graders. It's like small numbers like that in some some cases. But you need two teachers and that's just hard to manage because you can't have one teacher. Why are families asking for the virtual option? Let's start there. I think that kind of whips provide some insight on whether school should offer what is the reasoning behind families when you hear families say I want to go virtual what why are they saying it because I'm not in that space anymore yeah. so you have to so bring so, to speak. so here's some necessary trouble and first let me say first of all people that know me know I'm I'm pro kids and pro parents first right but I'm also be real I've had some parents tell me they just don't feel like bringing their kids to school like flat out like it has nothing to do with the virus they like we go places it they just don't want to bring their kids to school. And this is the way for them not to do that. And it has, and, and, and I'm not talking about one or two parents. I'm talking about like a good little handful. Now I do have some that are virtual because of underlying health conditions. There's a, you know, a grandma or grandpa in the house or an elderly or somebody like that. But I've had some flat out say they don't want to bring their kids. Okay. Well, they- in that case, then no, I think it should be vetted and conversations should be had with those parents that are requesting you know, a virtual option to see if it's really a necessary need. I think this, this is what I think. I think the the beautiful thing about school choice is if school A doesn't require a virtual option, then just go to school B that does, right? I think you, you next year, schools that have the capability, there's a lot of schools now that are taking, doing virtual programs. Paramount just launched one. Phelan just launched one. You know, these larger district schools are going to launch one. Those are in the charter school. I mean, shoot, funds are low and debts are high already. So it's going to be hard anyway trying to manage that, right? You got to, because you got to make sure you have the technology. And right. it's easier to man, it's even to manage the technology in the building because kids don't have to take it home unless you're auto responsible grades. But when you have a hundred plus kids across seven grade bands taking technology home, kindergartners are just going to break things. Third graders are just going to spill things on it. It's just going to happen. That's a, that's a heavy cost that you have to pay. And you know, as a school, look, we go through masks like a mug. I mean, kids, I, I can imagine. Kids go to like three or four, four masks a day. I bet. I'm that by 15 kids. Like, you got your numbers there. So, like, we're going to have to put money towards that. Continue to put money through a hand sanitizer. Continue to put money uh, towards making sure classrooms can still be, you know, socially distanced. Because I think that still will be a thing in the fall, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't see things open up in schools hundred percent. Now there might be things like kids being able to eat in the cafeteria and so on and so forth. But just as far as a virtual option, just allow each individual school to make that determination. And then hopefully it, on certain sides of town, there's multiple virtual options. So if I'm a parent on the East side, all hopefully not every school on the East side has it in person, that there is a virtual option. Um, because if not, then I might have to sign my kid up for a school on the West side that's virtual. And, and say, well, they're not going into the building, but it's still the principle of like, I'm going to school across town. What if I need to meet with somebody, you know, right. or go to the school to pick up that technology or to pick up different things. Right. So I think leave it up to the schools. That's that's where I would stand, you know, on that. But, you know, we, we don't know. You know, we got to wait and see, you know, late mid to late summer, you know, how the numbers are trending and 
you know, how people spent their CARES money that they got. So this was this was a little controversial. So I'm really interested to hear what you say. Do you think that all students should move on to the next grade because of the pandemic? Like, we're just moving on kids. We're not retaining nobody. Everybody gets to go to the next grade, regardless if they can read or not read. What's your thoughts? You know, when I saw that question, <laughs> I was just like, it, it just took me back to last year when the pandemic first started, right? So we always talk about, you know, summer addressing summer summer learning loss. Well, we aren't addressing the pandemic learning loss because yeah. let's be real. Kids aren't, they didn't learn that much last year when it comes to, you know, what they were supposed to retain. I mean, because we were, the whole country was in, the whole world was in a crisis. You know, the whole world was experiencing trauma. And so not only were they dealing with COVID, but then we had to deal with racism, you know, George yeah. Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So it's like, how much did our kids really learn from last year? Should they have been passed on to the next grade this school year? I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't, I just, I think if the child is ready, then yes. But if you, if you know, there's a student who's struggling and you know that they have a history of struggling, then I don't think they should automatically be passed on to the next grade. Listen, folks, like you can't be retaining kids in the pandemic. You also can't be passing kids on that can't read. Like, no. now I'll say this this goes. This is just, okay, this is going to be a little education talk. This is pandemic or no pandemic. You shouldn't retain a child if the teachers and the school hasn't done everything in their ability to educate that, that kid. So if that kid does have, and not even a learning disability, but if you've identified that that student has particular gaps and you haven't put in the intervention plan to close those gaps, then that's your fault. And you can't punish a kid for something you didn't do. So like all those things, if you haven't been communicating with the parent that their child is spelling throughout the year, then no, you shouldn't punish the child and, and retain them, right? Even if they can't read, because I, I still feel like the school has a responsibility to do everything they can to educate their child. Now, if you could check all the boxes that you've been in constant communication, that you told the parent, hey, back in December, we're having little concerns with Johnny. He's not reading on grade level. We're going to monitor. Here's the things we're going to put in place. Like if you haven't had any of those meetings, we call them MTSS meetings, multi-tier system of support. Is where you put in interventions. If you haven't run a child through that intervention cycle, then no, you have no business retaining a child. And I would say that even not in a pandemic. But if you've done those things, you can't use the pandemic as an excuse because all you're going to do is continue to set that child behind. And when we're talking about black children, when it comes to them going to college, no one's going to remember that there was a pandemic in between 2020 and 2021, 22. Because when they're competing for that, this um, seat at a university with their wife's kid in a suburban area with two parents that pay for a private tutor. You're not going to be able to write on your essay. You know, my SAT score isn't as high as probably other kids, because when I was in X grade, we were in a pandemic. They ain't trying to hear that. And that's the mentality we got to have. And it's harsh, but it's real. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying, but I think that also poses a bigger question of how we look at higher ed, right? So yeah. there's some things that need to change on their end. And even though you're saying they ain't trying to hear it, they also need to take into consideration for students during that time that we were in a pandemic. I mm -hmm. mean, you just can't get around 
a situation that caused trauma yeah. globally across the world, especially to students of color. You just can't. We're already, like you said, trying to get caught up, right? And so, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think that you, I, I should automatically pass them on to the next grade. I think there needs to be that they need to be a full assessment to see if they're ready, but just passing them on because it's a pandemic and you're trying to get them to the next grade isn't doing them any justice either if they're not ready to go to the next grade. Yeah, you you use that uh that uh assessment word. You know, folks don't like that assessment word. That's like I know. You know that that's like the word accountability. People don't want to be held accountable for nothing. But you know, I digress. But you're right, right? I think, and you brought up a good point about that piece about there needs to be more conversation with the higher ed. I think that's absolutely true. Like. The higher ed and the K K twelve space needs to talk a little more, especially now, right? And, and it seems like the only time they talk is when it comes to like sports, like what they're going to do about kids' eligibility and stuff like that. But there needs to be more conversations centered on what what does it look like for this this current senior class that's going to college and the current freshman class of of students in college that you know finish their year. So you got a group of kids that ended their year in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Their senior year, and you got a group of kids that started their senior year in a pandemic and, and still technically in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. There's gonna be some kids that go on a college campus next year that haven't stepped foot in a school since they were uh, juniors. There's gonna be mm-hmm. a, uh, some college freshmen that haven't hasn't taken a meaningful standardized test since they were in eighth grade. That is mind-boggling, right? And I know people say about standardized tests, this is not the show for standardized tests, but I'll say this. It's a necessary evil, and I'll just leave it as that, right? So, so do you think they should be immediately passed on? No, you didn't answer the question. No, I don't. Okay, I don't. You just, yeah. It, but again, going back to what I said, if the school hasn't done their job, then you, I mean, you, you fail. You can't punish a kid now. If the parent signs off on it, then you can get away with it. But you still need to acknowledge that you know we didn't do everything in our power. But schools are afraid to do that too because they don't want to admit when they're wrong. Schools and school leaders don't want to admit when they're wrong. Um, and I have no issue admit when I'm wrong. And I will stand and face my S, right, and own it. But, you know, I think on the backside of it, I always try to make sure that I, as a leader, am doing everything I, I can that's right by kids. And I want to make sure that I hold the individuals in my buildings to the same standard, right? But, you know, you have you have some p- things that slip through, but that's when you got to own those things. So, Again, if you're listening, it's the Recess Podcast. It's necessary trouble, and we, we're about to really get into some now. So, the I'm going to call this. It's the People talk a lot about the miseducation of black children. Let's talk about the mistreatment of black kids in school. So, we have a couple of topics we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about an incident in Arkansas where a five-year-old was made by his teacher who was white, the child was black, to clean out a dirty toilet with feces and doo-doo and all that, was made to clean it out with his hand. So let me, let me ask this. Had you been the parent and that was your child, let's not even go there first. Let me just ask you this. In what, in what world, how, why, how, does that, how does that even happen? How does that happen in the school? Let's let's start there. Before I ask you how you will react, how does something like that happen? You know, I've been thinking about that. I've been trying to figure this out. Like in 2021, how in the hell did this happen? 
there's just there's no explanation. I mean, I, I can't all the diversity training that's taking place. I mean, there's just I, 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 you know, as we talk about all these other incidents as well, it just there's no words. Like I literally was reading the article because I hadn't heard about it till you brought it up mm -hmm. pre-show. And I was just like, what? Like, and then the justification or what she, or how she tried to justify that she was trying to teach him how to unclog a toilet or something like that. He's not a janitor, the maintenance man. No, he is a student. a student. A student. Why are you trying to teach him anything about cleaning out a damn toilet when he is a student? You were trying to manipulate. I mean, you were trying to humiliate him. That's what you were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you, if he was a white student, and as we talk about all these other incidents, you know, the mistreatment of black students, we're not seeing this happen with white students or any other race of students. We're only really seeing all these incidents happen with black students. So it it just asks the bigger question: Why? Why does this keep happening? You know. I don't I don't know. The part the part about the story that really bothered me is that she didn't get fired on the spot. Like, right. She should have been fired on the spot. Like she should have been walked out. She should have been dragged out, first mm -hmm. of all. Dragged out and fired. And what frustrates me is a couple of things. There's probably some colleagues in that building that probably defended her, which That's they should right. be fired too. Like if you don't find that appalling, if you're if you're a teacher, if you stand in front of kids on a day-to-day -day basis. And you don't find that appalling. I don't care what your skin color is. You shouldn't be in front of kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't wish people getting fired on nobody because, you know, we're, we are in a pandemic and people got to take care of their families. But she should have been fired. So she should have been fired. She should have had her teacher's license revoked. And exactly. I don't see like she should have. This, there's got to be some charges for that. That's got to be something. I don't know what it is. I'm not a lawyer. There's got to be something for that. So all that disappoints me. And what disappoints me more about that is... I'm sure that's not the first incident of her doing anything like that was harmful to black kids. I'm not saying she's done anything remotely like that, but you don't just wake up one day and, <laughs> and that happens and say, you know, I'm going to have this black boy, this black boy right here. I'm going to teach him right. a lesson. To right. I'm going to teach him a lesson. And that's exactly what it, when you say why, you know, how to happen. It boils down to what you just said. For whatever reason, she felt like she needed to teach him a lesson for something. And she wanted to be the one to ingrain in his psyche mm -hmm. that you are less than a human because that's that's what it that's what you're telling him like basically you're, telling him. you're yeah. telling him that he's not human that he's less than a human and you're going to clean this shit out the toilet basically that gives me like that gives you like slave slave plantation uh early jim crow type yeah. vibes yeah. Made, yeah. But they, like you said you started how does that happen in 2021 right not 1521, not 1621, not 1721, not even 1821, not even 1921 or 1961. 2021 America, a white teacher makes a five-year-old black boy clean, unclog a dirty toilet in a school. And so the, <laughs> and I think what you said, you know, like she should have been fired. That speaks to the culture of the school, the fact that she wasn't fired. So now I, I have a bigger question of, how are students of color treated across the board at that school? What like, are you sending to students of color that go to that school? 
And I don't care how people say, well, there's a union. I said, I don't give it. Listen, I don't give a crap about it. That would have been the one. I don't care about no union. She's getting fired. And then you and I would have said, look, y'all bring her back in this building. I'm out. I'm out. Because morally, I couldn't. I there's there's nothing I, I can't you can't do anything with that, right? So let me ask you this real quick before we move on to the next one, because we got four more. I call them trigger stories, because that's what they do. They trigger bad emotions. You the parent. What you doing? <laughs> what you doing, you the parent? We talked about this offline. I, I, I would have been going to jail. I, I would have gone up to the school. Um, I probably would have found some poop somewhere. And, and <laughs> it yeah. would have been, you know, this is a parent, not Cassandra talking, but mm-hmm. if I was a parent, you know, you know how they say, you know how you take a dog and you smear his nose and the poop to mm-hmm. keep that's probably what have happened as a parent. I would have been, I would have been going to jail because I probably would have had some assault charges from the standpoint of I oh, would have physically put my hands on her, but she would have been smelling poop somewhere in her very close vicinity. Because if you want my son to clean out poop and you want him to be subjected to that, you're going to be subjected to the very same thing that you subjected him to. Yeah, model the behavior. Listen, you I'm been walking I'm, out in handcuffs, and then you would have been hearing about, oh, Cassandra, the community activist. <laughs> you know, listen, I don't look for, for real. Mary County but the but listen, the streets would have put some hands on her. Like that's that's street man. Listen, that's street justice. Like you, you somebody got to come pay you a visit, right? Like you got to get a visit paid, not just by the parent, but by by man. The the block would have been on her flat yeah, out like that. Mean, that's not, that don't fly. That no, don't that fly. don't fly. Now, the the professional in me would have handled it a different way. Uh, but that is that you know, the school district too. I'd have sued yeah. the school district. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You be you, as Usher said, you gonna get them papers. <laughs> you gonna get them papers. My flesh would have rose up, and I would have want to. I would have want to handle it the other way that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there's. You know, as we teach our kids, we have to be the bigger person and, and rise above. Sometimes you can't fight fire with fire. So let me just clarify: the professional in me would have handled it a different way, but the hood in me would have wanted to handle it a different way. What, what's the, what's uh what's uh Benjamin Crump? Benjamin Crump would have been serving her them papers. I'd have called Crump <laughs> and Sharpton. Get them papers for real. For Sharpton, I'd have been on Abby Phillips' new show. Don Lennon would have had right. you. Charlemagne would have had you donkey today. I'd have been on you. Right. right out. All right. So this next one, th- th- this was another one that just triggered me on some. New York white headmaster makes black boy kneel and apologize to him. <laughs> hey, man, I- I'll say that white people too bold. White people too bold. They too bold for that. You made this... And then, then, I don't know if you read it, where he said he's he, he yeah. African culture. Nigerian, yeah, he said that it was another parent told him that they handled, because they were from Nigeria, that's the Nigerian way to apologize. I saw it. You, you white man, made this black boy get on his knees and, and, and apologize to you. Let me tell you something. I, I don't even make my kids in my school say sorry to me. The, what you, I don't even say... He's like, you should say sorry. Say sorry to me. I'm like, you no. You should apologize to your classmates, to your peers. No kids should be apologizing to an adult in the school. What is it? Why? why Here's why the thing. Apologize? He 
the what he was made to apologize for is absolutely ridiculous because he start he finished his assignment early and he started working on another worksheet. So you're gonna punish him for working ahead. At least he was doing that and not being disruptive in class. Because then you would have been mad at that if he'd have been talking. Exactly. Then you would have been trying to suspend him. Mm-hmm. Now, again, white kids can finish their work and work on other stuff is, is praise. Black boy do it. You working on why are you moving on ahead of me? What? But you made this kid ap- apologize. The apology bothered me. The kneeling triggered me. Right? Because you made the boy, first of all, you know how white people are about kneeling. Mm-hmm. They ostracize and blackball Kaepernick for kneeling. Mm-hmm. They kneeling, they kneel and kill people, right? So that's they love language, I guess. Kneeling, some of them. It, <laughs> it's either love language or they hate it because it triggers them. But you made this boy get on his knee, kneel, and apologize to you. Look up to you and apologize. I just I don't under I don't understand. And then that was another one. Paid administrative leave. Now he eventually resigned. It should have you shouldn't have been allowed to resign. You should have been right. fired. Fired. Uh, and because I, now he can say I resigned from my previous post. Right. No, you should it should be on your on your records that you were fired. And I know it's an HR thing that you can't share that, but that the, it made the news. It should have been print because it's printed now. He resigned. So when people read this five years from now, it's like, oh, he resigned from his job. No, it should have been. White headmaster makes black boy kneel and apologize, was fired from his school. That's what you read. Yeah. Like I said in the beginning, I don't understand. It's 2021. You know, I don't understand why stuff like this continues to happen. And I think, like I said, it speaks to the larger culture of whatever Mm -hmm. school or the district that it happens in and their inability to tackle racism, systematic racism head on. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, and they're they're afraid too, right? Like, and but some even even how we say how's this happening in twenty twenty one the same way, right? That again, M- Minnesota, Jesus, like I didn't, I, I wasn't gonna go. Like, how do you after George Floyd? First of all, the officer that murdered George Floyd is on trial, and right. now you got another incident where a was a fifteen year veteran thought. I thought I was reaching for my taser. Right. You should know the difference between how a taser feels and how a gun feels. And if you don't, so is, I don't listen, help me understand why it takes why when there's one part one 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 individual, four officers that you y'all y'all four of y'all can't can why you even need to tase them? It's four of you. You're so afraid for another Rodney King. That you'd rather have another Oscar Grant. I don't get it. Right? You don't want to jump, beat him up, or because now you don't want to be riding the king, but you're okay with shooting him. It's four of y'all. Kill him. Kill, right. Not even shoot him. You kill him. You don't even shoot him in the leg. Yeah, they have no aim. They're shooting like. Well, if it was, I hate to say, we all know if it was a white, young white man, then the, it would, the treatment would just be different. Yeah, because they would have cut the officers out. You stupid mf'er. I'm my parents are gonna do whatever. You ain't asked, <laughs> sir. I need you to calm down. Black right. Blapper says, you know, why you pull me over? It's right. gone, and it's it goes to quickly escalates. Mm-hmm. You know, from zero to one hundred. So it's it's exhausting. 
Um, you know, I saw my friend post one of my cousins posted on Facebook today. I'm black and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, you know, the incidents that we're talking about now, and then in light of what just happened, I, I can't even watch the trial because uh, I'm, I'm not even watching really it. Traumatized myself, you know. Uh, it was enough going through it last year. That was mm-hmm. enough trauma in of itself. So it's like I'm not going to re-traumatize myself watching this trial. I'm going to watch the verdict. And listen, I'm going to pray. I don't see how he gets off of this, but I wouldn't be shocked. Truthfully, I wouldn't be. It wouldn't shock me if he got off on. And I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what all the official charges are. The main one I want to see is like murder in the first degree, like guilty or not guilty. The other, to me, that's just irrelevant because if he doesn't get convicted for murder in the first degree, then the rest of it's probably slap on the wrist. Even if they say, they say, well, even if he gets convicted of felony, he'll never be an officer again. No, he needs to go to jail. That first degree murder, I think, carries what? 12 to 15? Like, he needs to get that. Yeah. And truthfully, like, I it's, I don't know if it's premeditated. I don't know if he woke up and said, I'm going to kill a black person today, but he killed a black person. So he, he needs, it needs to be charged for that. So all these situations, right? Like, these things are happening in a time where, like you mentioned it, we're coming out Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Before that, Flando Castile, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown. I can keep naming people, mm-hmm. right? Laquan McDonald, like all, Ahmaud Aubrey. Like we keep naming all, all these names. And then we have incidents in school where you got a black, a young black boy, five year old, clean out a toilet, a black boy having to kneel to his white headmaster. And then our third one, the California teacher who doesn't understand what a mute button is, <laughs> even if you wanted to go off. And you started just going on a tirade about a black student in 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 their in the family, and you were on Zoom. Not only are like, first of all, you should be fired for stupidity. But again, she was placed on administrative leave at first, so she's getting paid to not work um, for so you can investigate what like is not recorded. But again, so let me ask you this: You're the parent. Your child, you got nephews, right? You got a nephew, right? That's in school age. Mm-hmm. Let's just say your nephew's over auntie's house doing virtual learning. He didn't have the best class that day, right? So, right? Teacher's mad. Teacher again goes on a tirade about your nephew and you and how this is what black people do and all the, like, well, like what's, what's your response? <laughs> <laughs> While I'm on Zoom? Y- yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, so 30 second and Clifton, Cassandra. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where I, one of the streets that I grew up on, if you're familiar with 30 second and Clifton. I am. If Clifton, Cassandra would have been cussing that. Come on, whatever. man. Yeah, she should have heard all the, all, the, all the swear words. She, you know how you know how Whitney Houston went off on Wendy Williams. Uh huh. <laughs> it would have been one of those moments. Yes. It would have been a Whitney Houston moment in that ass moment. Where, let me say, what? where where does that type of anger come from? from a teacher? Where does that type of anger come from? For a I, teacher to even say that out loud, that like to say that out loud, regardless if you thought you were on Zoom or not, like to even right. just utter those words out loud. Like, where does that type of anger 
for black people come from. You can't tell me she likes she she finds black people as good people. As or, yeah, or, as, or as a former president say very fine people. Right. <laughs> he said right. I, I just yeah, I mean that that's somebody who just like you said, in their spirit, they don't like black people, period. Yeah. For whatever reason. I mean, and most of the time it's typically just because of that whole, you know, inferiority complex Mm -hmm. and, you know, black people are beneath them, but that's just somebody who just, they just don't like us there. I mean, they hate us. They hate Mm -hmm. us. And for whatever Mm -hmm. reasons, you know, I can't just, I don't know because I'm not a type of person where I look at somebody and I, you know, automatically because of the color of their skin, I dislike them. I, I've never understood that mentality. That does not, I can't comprehend it. Um, it's fear. I mean, there's obviously the dislike is is fueled by, you know, fears that she, you know, this person mm-hmm. has. I'm not going to say she, but we talk about people who have that mindset. There's some type of fear, you know, or yeah. fear that we're smarter than them they they fear that you know we we can do things better than i i don't know dave mm-hmm. i mean that's just that's trying to understand the mind of a racist is like you can't I mean, so this so this incident right i'm not going to blame i'm not going to blame like the the people the school district that hired her because i feel like this type of behavior like she probably went to the interview and talked about how much she wanted to work with all students and make her classroom a safe and welcoming environment and all the cliche answers, right? Because you just never know who people's true colors are until they're put to the to their feet or put to the fire, right? So the interview, like you're gonna put your best foot forward, right? And she right. definitely did that and probably probably for a while was able to get by with not sharing her true feelings because she was never like put in that situation. But this day in this moment. This this student and, and uh, their family really pissed her off, pissed her off, and she just couldn't take it. And she had a breaking point, and she snapped, and she should never be in front of children again. No, like, like I don't understand why teach teacher licenses. Listen, if you are a lawyer and you are unethical, like you can get disbarred. Mm-hmm. You get disbarred. If you are a doctor and you you can lose your license. You can make a boy. You can make a five year old clean out toilet. You can make a black boy kneel. You can go on a tirade against a black family, black student in their family, and you can keep your teacher license. Uh, it should be. Rev- I'm with you. Those your license should be revoked. Should be taken from you. I mean, and then teachers should take the same oath to do no harm because at the end of the do day, no harm and try your best. Like, right. Ultimately, we know that doctors are. So, but they we know that they're they're giving their best and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make mistakes, which is why they have liability. I've said it before, like there needs to be some liability on teachers. Like these per pupils need some of that needs to go live. So like parents can like sue and get a portion of the per pupil back when their child is mistreated or miseducated. Like this is this is not a this show necessary trouble is not about miseducation. This is more about the mistreatment, mm-hmm. which is just as dangerous because not- you don't even understand the trauma. Can you imagine the trauma this five-year-old boy has to deal with? Yeah, yeah. his cycle. He the trauma this black and, Yeah, yeah. There, you know, there's something that's forever. I'm gonna say forever because you know he can go through mm-hmm. 
counseling. But for right now, you know, there's been a, a distinctive mark. And, and for all of these students that we've talked about, you know, they, they've had to now, I think the mom of the 11 year old boy was saying, you know, how embarrassed he is to go back to school. Man, come uh, on. And so, yeah, we, it's the bigger picture, picture of how it affects our students going forward and long term, you know. And you don't know what, yeah, you don't know what these parents are dealing with at home. And then on top of the place where they thought their child was supposed to be kept safe is mistreated. Like, come on. Like, I got a two-year-old. I can't even, listen, I can't even imagine. I'm, I can if that was ever my, listen, y'all, y'all know me. I've been doing the recess podcast. This is episode 38. Some of y'all that's been rocking with me. Y'all know me on the podcast. You know me on social media. Like, if that had been my child, like, I would. I'd be in jail, but I'd gladly send jail. You mistreat my baby like that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm like, or, that's or, or I'm calling the streets to come get you. <laughs> Y'all better recognize, man. My school's on the east side, man. I'm I'm west side, born and raised, but I'm east side adopted. I'm calling them people. You mistreat my kid, and that's I'm calling the, the people. <laughs> man, spot out. I can't get a people name. Right. I'm calling. I'm, the call, I'm calling the people. <laughs> I'm part east side adopted, 38th and Post. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, I, like I said, it just goes back to the bigger question of why does this continue to happen to mainly black students? I mean, you, you just don't. I haven't heard of any incidents of things like this happening to white students or even Latino students. It's all black students. And all so why does in 2021, why do we keep having these conversations? I mean, diversity training, inclusion. I mean, you know, that's real big now. Diversity and inclusion is real big now. But unless it's you, people jobs, though, it, I mean, listen, people jobs, which, you know, and the solution, you have to have tangible solutions. And it really starts with the heart. I mean, if if you can't change a person's heart, you can have all the diversity and inclusion trainings that you want. But if, that, yeah. if you don't change their heart, it's not going to matter. Shout out to the school districts that are high, hiring directors of racial equity. I, you listen, I, I think these positions are important because they are getting black people in senior leadership positions in school, which is great. It's the same thing. You know, um, I hope that's not another role they try to pigeonhole black people. in. Now, you can't be the superintendent or you can't be the director of academics, but I can make you the director of racial equity. Like, I just hope that's not what we're going to do with that, because that's that's underlining racism, too. And I don't want to go out. Let's not get into that. But ain't listen, you have all the racial equity training. Shout out to the schools doing that too. That ain't gonna fix that. I'm sorry. All that uh bias, racial bias training, getting to know are your biases, all that's good because they're gonna put their best foot forward, even in these sessions. Even when in the training, get put to the fire, their true colors are gonna shine. Flat exactly. out, it happens with everything. And these folks' true exactly. colors are shining. So this last one, listen, this last one. This last one broke my heart. All of them broke my heart. This one hurt to a different level. Because I even looked at my own practice in my own school. So this, this story is uh, 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 is in Georgia. A, a photo went viral of these two black students sitting at a table. And they were the last ones to get served their food. All the white kids are eating. First of all, where I came from at an age, you don't start eating to everybody get their food. It's not about us saying grace. Don't right. touch your food before I get their food. Right. But the, I mean, these kids, is, you see, these kids are milling, and these mm -hmm. two little kids are just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Tell me that didn't break your heart. No, that now that did break my heart. I was like, okay, I remember 
you know, what it felt like being in the lunchroom and being singled out. So I can only imagine how those two little kids felt while they were sitting there not eating. And we don't know what their background is. I mean, we talk about, we talk about this all the time, you know, students who, our students come to school and before they can learn, you know, you got to deal with what they've dealt with at home. So yeah, sometimes this is the only meal. I think it was a, it was a daycare. This is it's the only Nikki, meal yep. that they're going to get for This may be the only meal. I'm not saying that this was the case, but it could have been a situation where that's the only meal that they were going to get. They probably hadn't, you know, if they hadn't eaten it, mm -hmm. they were probably, it's, it's so many things that can go along with that, but that one really did break my heart. And then, Again, the justification that they tried to use of, well, I think I read something about the operators. About, well, if you if you look at the total picture or something like that, no, it doesn't matter what the, the fact is that these two kids had not received their lunch while all the other students, white students were eating that there's no justification to explain why they don't have lunches in front of them. Mm -hmm. Here, here, here yeah. Here's a statement. Here's what it was. So story is um, kids are kids located in Roswell, Georgia. A parent checking on the daycare's live stream. Shout out to these parents, man, for checking on your mm -hmm. live stream for your child. Notice that the white children appeared to be eating while black children didn't have their food. After the parent received an uh, unsatisfactory answer from the school, he took a screenshot of the moment and put it on social media. It quickly went viral. Kids are us. Which, which must be the overseer, released a statement Thursday. They're parting ways with the French C. So this is like an independently owned underneath this umbrella. And then it's unclear if the daycare will operate. But here's what the, the mother went up there to pick up the child immediately. The director says, and I quote, I'm not really sure because I'm not in the classroom. Maybe it's a dietary thing. What in the <laughs> holy hell, man? When I read that, I was like, did she really just... Did she really just say that? A dietary? Like, so the black kids are eating last because it's a dietary? What what dietary? Like, just what? shut up. Just just say, you know, what she should have said was, ma'am, I am so sorry that this has happened. I will investigate. I will be looking into what's going on. Mm -hmm. Let me see how I can fix this situation. Like, that's what I think what makes me mad about when situations like this happen it's like they're immediately to come up with a reason to try to justify it instead right. of just saying it. No, it's not right. And I'm sorry. How can I fix this situation? How can I fix it? It would have been simple as this. Now, what happened, mom? You said you got to Let me, can I see the video? I watched right. the video. You know what? Hold on. I'm getting that teacher in there. I'm sending you explain this to me. Listen, I get school. Listen, I get school leaders want to stand in the gap of their teachers. Hey, man. Sometimes you gotta let you gotta let people you gotta let people swim on their own because that's like I'm not saving that as no principle. She's right. right. I wasn't in the room. I see the video. The teachers gotta explain this. And if I don't like the answer, I'ma fire you, Mama. You put on so listen. That parent had every right to be on social media, but you know how you save yourself as a director of the school. We you know we come out with a statement. We are appalled by the actions of that teacher and what happened. That teacher is no longer working here. We apologize to the family. We apologize to anybody else that witnessed this video and that, you know, was frustrated. This is not a reflection of our school. We handled it and they were terminated immediately, period. And we're going to work to make sure we train all teachers to find an equitable way 
Right. To make sure all students are served appropriately. Now, let me, I will say shout out to what's it called? Kids, who was it kids called? Kids are kids. Yeah, kids they said we're done with them. Larger corporate, you know, franchisee or franchiser. I will say shout out to them because as soon as I think they got the, saw the picture, the CEO, you know, cut ties with, was like, no, I'm no out. <laughs> y'all, y'all can't be associated, no branding, no nothing. So shout out to them for acting Absolutely. so quickly. But the the local daycare opera owner she there's just no no you don't justify it's we have to quit justifying bad behavior we just have to we have to take responsibility own up to it Mm -hmm. and say you know what no this this is a mess up and i'm so sorry that your children had to experience this what can i do to make this right yep period that's it that's all you gotta do that's all you gotta do is our reality and like i said she mentioned something about well if you pan the whole if you go back and look at the whole tape or something no i don't want i don't need to look at the tape what i'm looking at right here shows that there's there are two students black students who have not gotten their lunch while all the other white students are eating so at the time that i checked in on my child what i see is that my child is sitting there waiting to eat that's Mm -hmm. all i need to see while other students are milling i don't care about what happened 15 minutes ago I don't care what happened two minutes ago. Listen, you brought up a good point that, that circles me back to, and rest in peace, uh, uh, Dante Wright, prayers to his family, uh, the young man that was killed in, in uh, Minneapolis. I don't, one in Minnesota, but it was in Minneapolis, I believe. Or it was in, it was in Minnesota, sorry. Um, did you hear that officer when he was, before he released the video, his statement? He's, oh, he said some other stuff. This is what he said. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we're going to release the video that shows up to the moment of use of deadly force and the officer's reaction. I don't care how the officer reacted after shooting somebody. Right. They shot somebody. So that made me think about what you said. Like the director said, well, did you see? No, I don't need to. I don't, I don't care how the officer reacted. I don't care what happened before the kid didn't get served. I don't care what happened after. I don't, I don't want, even want to see the video of the a kid finally getting their food. Right. What I saw was a bunch of kids eating that were white and right. all the black kids not eating. Right. So for that's you to tell me what happened before and after doesn't matter. That right. snapshot that I saw is my reality. That mm-hmm. pers- that 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 that's a reality mm-hmm. for everybody because we all see it. But it that triggered me back to that when that man I watched last night. He said we're going to show also show the officer's reaction. Sir, I don't care I don't about care. the officer's reaction. <laughs> I don't care. Shooting somebody because they thought their taser was a gun. Yeah. So listen, we're almost at our hour, but real quick, I just, and this is a simple question and this can wrap into our final thoughts. Why is it important for us to work to keep our blacks? And I don't even know why this is a question, but then we have to ask it. Why is it important <laughs> for us to work hard to keep our black schools safe for our black children? Like why, like we just have to, why, why, why do we have to fight so hard to keep schools safe for black children? Yeah. Cause if we don't, nobody will. Mm-hmm. And so if we aren't standing on guard, uh, making sure that our students are being treated right, nobody else is going to advocate and be their voice and make sure that they're being treated right. So that's why we have to do our due diligence even into 2021 and make sure that, you know, districts and teachers and principals and paraprofessionals, whoever comes and contacts with our babies while they're in the classroom or at the school, that they're treating them right. They're treating them right. I mean, we all know 
and can remember being mistreated at some point by mm -hmm. a teacher or a principal or being made to feel less than. And we know how the long-term effects, I know personally, you know, going through that in middle school, elementary school, the, in high school, the long-term effects was that I questioned myself, my intelligence as an adult. And that's mm -hmm. ultimately what, that's the seed that they're planting. And I don't, some of them know that they're doing it. Some of them, I'm going to give them a benefit of doubt and say that they don't. But that's what's happening. They're planting that seed of doubt of who are you in that child. And we can't let that happen. You know what I'm saying? Our, our, yeah. Our, the world needs our black babies. Our I hate to say black babies. You know what I'm trying to say? The world yeah. needs our kids. And we don't need you know people putting it in their heads by the way they're treating them, that they're less than, that they're not human, you know, that they're not smart enough, they're not good enough. We just don't need that. So that's why we have to make sure that our babies remain in a safe space. And we have to continue to fight that they remain in a safe space. That's I don't know if that answers your question. But and I'm going to keep mine simple. Look, if, if Black people are being killed in the streets by officers, right, and then they go to the schools and they're being mistreated. Like, where is it that it's safe? Mm -hmm. The school is supposed to be a safe haven. I remember back in the day where the schools had those things on there outside the door as a safe haven when you were lost or, or stranded. Same thing with a fire fire uh, fire station. Mm -hmm. You know, schools don't have those no more. And why? Because of incidents like this, because people don't view the schools as safe spaces no more. We got to get back to that. Like, Kids already got trauma from society because they watching other black people get murdered on TV. Then they got to come to school and, and make the clean out doodle out of a toilet or kneel to a white handmaster or listen to their uh, teacher cuss them and their parent out or get served their food last. Like we, we got to do better. And I'm calling on educators, um, people that are education adjacent, right, to step up in defense of our black children. And those bad apples just get we got to get rid of them. We can't keep giving people pass. <laughs> Because I guarantee you, if any of these incidents would have happened to white students, it'd be all. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it'd be all over your local news, your national news. Man, they would it'd be outraged. And, yeah. and on top of if it was a black teacher who did, you know. If she would have got lynched. <laughs> she would, the black teacher would have been immediately fired. It wouldn't be no. Fired. They would have been blackballed in their city. Their, their uh, house would have been. Yeah. You so, look, it's like that. What was that um that new uh, Amazon Prime show? Them that I'm not watching. Yeah, I'm not watching I, I got triggered from the preview. But the way they treated that black family when they moved in, had that been a black teacher that made a white five year old clean out doo doo, that's how they would have showed up to their crib. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like that. Yeah. So that's why we have to keep fighting for equity. We, we have to 100. percent So look, this has been this has been the Recess Podcast. Necessary trouble. You see why this episode couldn't have been live. But it's still a dope conversation. Make sure you share this. <laughs> What'd you yeah, say? I, yeah, I'm glad it wasn't live. I, I, I had to purposely tone myself down because, you know, before we got started, I told you, like, you really trying to make me cuss. <laughs> well, listen, I think I we only said two cuss down, words. Remember to keep it professional. So, yeah, but I'm but, telling you, on the inside, my spirit is raging like this is some BS. Absolutely. And, and, and these are the things, right? This is why it's okay, right? The late John Lewis would say, this is why you got to get in that necessary trouble when situations like this happen. So that's why this is uh, titled Necessary Trouble. So um, this has been a Recess Podcast. I'll be back next week with a live show. 
uh, episode 39 uh, called Education Freestyle, featuring my friend Ashley Burden talking about her new initiative and her new work. So make sure you tune in for that. April 22nd, 7 p.m. We'll be back live. But this episode, make sure you like this and share this with people. Um, uh, it, it, it is definitely a conversation that you, I know you enjoyed. So as I always say, I close out every show, create the platform, control the conversation, change the culture. Like I said, I'll see you next week live. This has been a recess podcast. Peace y'all.